Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi guys, welcome back to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, the podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Mel. I'm Helen. And I'm Janet. Hello, it is currently 9.45 p.m. on a Monday working night. I'm a little um, high off these um, cold meds. Cold meds. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're like bouncing off the walls. I know. Now. I'm pretty like I don't know why I have Mel energy. Has a coffee. She just took cold meds, and she's had a week where she's essentially working two jobs right now because you're like transitioning, right? Yeah. So. so I'm transitioning right now. I'm working. I'm just. I'm repeating what you just said. <laughs> I'm so like hot. I'm off these meds, but yeah. Um, I'm on these meds. <laughs> you guys, they're, they're legal. They're legal meds. I got them around. They're for my cold. I have the flu. Uh, yeah, but my week has, my Monday has been already crazy. We are tired from work and it's only day one of this week, but we are excited to be recording another episode for you guys. Um, thank you for sending through your questions. We have a variety of topics, uh, everything from love, romance, and sex to Asian culture questions, uh, to work and career, which we get a lot. We do. I feel like this is one of those late night shows where people like tune in. Did you oh, ever listen yeah, to like, the radio hours. shows? Yeah, yeah, after hour radio shows. We're like, ooh, we're going to talk about love, yes. sex, and food. And, <laughs> and, and Asian culture. Yeah. Oh, God, yuck. So one of our first questions is from Madeline. We got an email from her and she asked us, have you ladies heard about the five love languages? If so, it'd be a great topic for you guys to discuss. So, mm. Janet. Yeah. My love. <laughs> what is your love language? What is my love language? My results are outdated. This was maybe a, over a year ago. Okay. Um, but my top two, that I they tied for, I got an eight for acts of service as well as quality time. And then the third where I got a six is for words of affirmation. So those are my top three. In terms of acts of service, like what's something that if someone were to do for you, you're like, this is... Mm. Um, so it can be any, everything from practical stuff to maybe less practical, just really sweet little gift type things. Like I think the best gifts are when people make you something. I had, uh, someone bake me a cake once for my birthday as a guy who like doesn't bake at all. And I thought that was really sweet. If you make me dinner, 
um, if you actively plan the stuff that we're going to be doing, like th- those types of things, I think are really sweet. And also um, jumping off from our last episode, talking about first dates, you do like when the guy takes initiative and yeah. plan things, right? I reali- mm. Yeah. I was going to say, I realized from the episode, I sound super demanding. I'm never going to find a <laughs> after listening it to like the fifth, because I was, you know, I was like editing it and I wasn't, and then when I listened to the final, I was like, shit, I'm not. I don't find anyone. <laughs> there, there is for sure a man out there yeah, who will to... value you enough to provide acts of service. I totally agree. So, what about you ladies? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I am also acts of service. What number? Uh, 10. Oh, Dang. wow. I think that's like uh, 100% then, right? I, oh, I don't know how this scale yeah. works. <laughs> service me. <laughs> um, and then seven for quality time and then five for words of affirmation. And then the other two are physical touch and receiving gifts. Mm -hmm. Both are four. I think that is totally true in my relationship where I agree. It's like if someone does something for you to like alleviate your day or to make you feel better, it just feels like that's where the love really is. Rather than someone saying like, oh, you look beautiful today. I'm like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me something I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's especially for us because we're so busy. I think when someone does something out of Mm. like their own time for you, it's like, oh, that's very meaningful. Yeah. So acts of service. Yeah. That is nice. How about you, Mel? What's yours? Well, I got a nine for words of affirmation. No, I don't need you to touch me all the time. Um, Actually, my highest one is nine for words of affirmation. I think you need someone to tell you you're beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, I do. Or it's more like um, I like when people communicate a lot. So I need you to overly communicate how you feel to me, maybe. So for me to understand. Yeah, if you're you're a communicator and you rely a lot on conversation and words, then that makes sense for you. That's No, yeah, and I agree. (laughs) I think you are also the type of person to communicate to people and just talk to people and understand how people are feeling. And so when someone does that to you and also tells you, like gives you words of you're doing something well or you're doing a great job with this despite working two jobs and having a flu and doing podcasts you're still doing great it's just like oh thanks oh look at the smile on my face right now she's looking at me like like, she's about to like jump on me oh my god no (laughs) i yeah (laughs) that's so true um yeah, I'm all giddy now. Aww. Oh my god, I'm so weird. But I no, take I, a picture of you right now, and that'll be like our um, thumbnail hell, for this. Yeah. No, fuck that. I look like shit. <laughs> no, but that's exactly what it is. I just love when people like affirm what they feel for me in a positive way through words. Uh, my second one is quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like spending time with people I really care about. But back to words of affirmation, I just thought of something. The reason why I like getting it or receiving it is because I like I like giving it out as well. When I care about someone a lot, or you, even my friends, mm-hmm. I speak really highly about them to like everyone I know, mm-hmm. hoping they do the same for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> my last three is number seven, acts of service. Um, I think we're all on the same page. Like all three of us, kind of. That's have, my top three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really need gifts at all, unless yeah. it's food. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, I think gifts are nice, but they're not an everyday kind of a thing. So maybe that's yeah. why the other three have more of like a everyday kind of quality thing. to right, it yeah right. i would probably swoon more if my boyfriend or like a or a friend took out my trash and washed my dishes versus giving me like a gold necklace it's like oh my god i took out my trash until you get the gold necklace and you're like damn yeah <laughs> i'm kind of surprised that physical touch is so low though on our scale like it's four yeah. or five for all three of us right yeah i'm yeah. a four what'd you get i'm a four i'm a five the uh, minx <laughs> But it's it's the fourth in my my list. I mean, I do like holding hands and stuff like that to show like someone cares. This is so random, but there are times when I was be dating someone and I would purposely not hold their hand first to see if they make the first move. And when they didn't, I'm like, Aww. oh, 
He likes me. <laughs> I actually have never met anyone with a 10 for physical touch. Yeah, neither have I. Right. The gift giving one, I've, some people, it is high on their list. But yeah, for physical touch, I haven't met someone mm. who's. You're a listener out there and you have a nine or above for physical touch. Let us know. What do you need? I'm curious. I think we know what they need. <laughs> <laughs> So our next question is from Bet Bet Yella or Betty Ella? Betty Ella. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I can read. <laughs> um, so her question, this is about our culture, Asian American culture. Can you talk about Asian American traditions? Things like eating family style, uh, Chinese New Year, tiger parents, high school and good grades, and playing the piano, also playing tennis. I feel like that's a very, like that's a lot true. of kids were put in tennis. Well, okay, let's break it down for the first one. Eating family style. When you guys go home to dinner, Mm -hmm. is it always family style or is it someone else? Are these yes or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, with our family, we eat family style, but what's interesting about the mixed culture is that everyone, it it almost comes up a little bit potluck style. So, like, parents will cook Chinese food, but maybe my sister brings over something and then I have something else. And then, so we often have, like, our meals are hodgepodge and not, it's like not Asian food, it's not American food, it's a little bit of everything. Same here, actually. Oh, like people actually bring food over? Oh, no. My mom just goes random things. Yeah. Or they start cooking random things because my dad will like learn something from my sister and I that we like that isn't Asian and then Mm -hmm. they like it. They'll cook it. So I think every time I go home, my mom always makes like her Chinese traditional food. So it's always Mm -hmm. like the steamed fish or like the tomato and egg and like (gasps) pork. That was my favorite dish growing up. Yeah. Tomato and egg with rice. And And it's weird because they've cut down on rice. So there's never any like rice on the table anymore. I'm like, what happened to my childhood? (laughs) That's so weird. My, my mom started eating this like Korean purple or mm-hmm. like this. Uh, oh yeah, it's called a kaya rice, like the stone pot purple rice. It looks like it, but it's a little bit different. Yeah, but it's supposed to be. I guess it's like, like healthier, healthier for yeah. you. Yeah, that's funny. My parents tried to like do the healthy thing. They just added one cup of brown rice to our white rice. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess this. Good. I guess this works. That's an ease and a way to ease into it. Right? So it's like a multicolored yeah, rice that you guys. I like it's that just idea. like literally just tan and white. Okay. No, that's that's actually. Yeah. yeah, it's a clever way to do it. it do you guys use chopsticks when you guys eat dinner? Yes. Mm, yes. Same. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys celebrate Chinese New Year with your families? Not anymore. I know it's a huge deal. I just remember when I was younger growing up, like my mom would always play like that, that like traditional Chinese music, like kind of uh, like opera-like, but like super <laughs> giddy and happy. No, I know. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, she would blast that in the house and also put around like green onions or is it scallions maybe? Oh. And um, tie that to oranges and just like hang it around the house along with red envelopes. That was like a yearly thing. Oh, it was nice. just always very mm-hmm. festive and she like cleaned everything and made sure we had new shoes so we can like stomp out all of the bad juju or whatever it was. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Wow. That was like a big celebration when I was home. Dang, I never, my family never did that. The only thing we had to do was um, every year we'd call our grandpa, our grandparents in Taiwan to wish them a happy new year. Mm. Um, And my mom always says, don't forget to thank them for the red envelopes. (laughs) Oh yeah. And my my brother and I like, thanks for the money. But no, we actually are really thankful for it though. So that's what we did. My mom still calls me to remind me uh, if it's like a birthday or a Chinese New Year thing. And it's horrible because as the years pass by, my Chinese gets worse and worse. And literally my conversation with my grandmother is like, hello, like two phrases in Chinese. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) But so so Mel, you, did you, would you guys still like gather for dinner or things like that or? 
I think it's like if my grandpa or my grandma was in California, then we would have a dinner. Mm, but if they were in Taiwan, yeah, we would just far. like, oh, let's just have a normal dinner and call grandpa after dinner. Yeah. Like, it would be kind of more casual. But if the relatives are in town, then we'll do something. Yeah, I think my family, when I was younger, we I have memories of more like elaborate celebrations where we would... Like my grandmother would put out photos of her father and the father before mm-hmm. and you would do in like platters of stuff. And we would still like have meals all the time. But then as the years have gone by, it's now with my parents and my sister, we just do like a family meal. I still get red envelopes from Uncle. Yeah. <laughs> no, every time I go home, my mom like gives me a packet of money. I'm like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's going to stop once you get married though, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's I a guess. rule, right? Once yeah. you, Or is it once you have kids? Once you have kids, you start yeah. giving it to oh. people. Yeah. That's why I'm not going to have kids for a while. <laughs> Okay, so she also asked us about tiger parents. Yeah. And actually relates to high school grades and mm-hmm. playing instruments. Like, how did you grow up and how did your parents parent you? Uh, okay, well, so for me, my mom was our head of household. So she was the one that kind of directed everything. She never was super, super, like, tiger mom mom But the thing that she did emphasize was grades. Mm-hmm. She put me in, like, tutoring after school. So I had to go, like, after school tutoring on the weekends for math and for English. And I remember in elementary school, before I started tutoring sessions, it was in second grade. She would actually write herself in the journal math problems for me to do after school, after my homework. Mm-hmm. And she will check the answers after I go back home. And I remember I was like, man, but I just want to play with my like my neighbors. But then, no, I had to sit there in the living room and like do her math homework All on right. top of my already math homework. Uh, right. And then after the words, then I could go play. Yeah. My parents were, they were tiger parents, but at the same time, I think I also put the pressure like on myself. Like mm-hmm. when I was younger, I was like a super perfectionist. I don't know why. Like even like, I would write a sentence out and then put a period down. But if I didn't like where the placement of the period was, like super OCD, I would erase it and place the period again. Like it was like super. I don't. I don't know where the you fuck that came from. Because I am not really like that anymore. Huh? I was. <laughs> I am so not like that anymore. So I don't know where that went. But I do remember my parents would give me these like at the dinner table. They would ask me like a multiplication mm. problem, and I went to the bathroom to calculate it. <laughs> I was like, hold on, I need to go to the bathroom. And I came back. I was like, four times five is twenty. <laughs> and they'd give me another one and be like, shit, I don't know. I gotta go to the bathroom again. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. So I think there was probably some like tiger parenting going on mm. for me to, to be like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. about you, Janet? You know, I always said my parents were really lax growing up, but as you guys are giving these examples, I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it was, it was just very obvious that they value education and they value supporting you and exposing you to like activities that teach you discipline that teach you um, Mm -hmm. like different skills I have memories of we would have spelling tests every week or whenever Mm -hmm. or like math quizzes and all of my my car rides to school my dad was driving me was practicing them with him and then uh, and my mom also did I, I was in like summer programs for like English and writing I almost forgot about these. My God, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess I did, and I also did play the piano. <laughs> so your parents made you do an instrument growing up? So they actually didn't. Uh, they didn't. When it came to extracurriculars beyond academics, they didn't force a lot. Like I, I was in dance for a really long time in studio dance, but it was because a really good friend wanted to. She wanted to go, and so her mom called my mom to try to convince me so she would have a friend. And then it was that same friend that then was in piano. So then I, I was in, I got into piano like kind of through her. But my parents were never forceful. Like I, I did it for maybe like four or five years. And then I kind of just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I feel like I'm not able to do other things. And my mom was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So for, sure. yeah. <laughs> for me growing up, my mom actually never put me in any like instruments. Wait. I <laughs> 
Shove you in a recorder. Wait, let me start up. Your parents didn't shove you in a piano either? Oh my god, it's so or a cello? Does, does she fit in there? This is such a Monday night. Or your mom never made you learn an instrument. Oh, there right. we go. <laughs> Man, yeah, my mom never made me learn an instrument. But we, uh, she did put me in recorders. That's like the, like the cheapest instrument class you could take me into. Yeah. From me school, into. right? Did they have, is that where it was? Yeah, yeah. so, because uh, when I was in elementary school, we had this like performance thing called Marching On, where all the schools in the district will perform for like the city. And my mom's like, oh, I want you to be in more acts. So you had to be in recorders too. And I remember during the performance, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was like mouthing whatever they were doing oh, and like no. fiddling with my fingers. And I remember one time I was like, you know what? Let me try blowing into this and see what happens. And it came so off pitch. I'm like, I just pretend to like play for the rest did of the time. Did you not practice beforehand? Hell no. Oh. Did, did your mom know like <laughs> no. you should have been practicing? The only thing I know how to play on the recorders is hot cross buns. Hot cross buns. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. In my defense, I was in the dance thing and the singing thing. I can't you remember can't all, yeah. remember the <laughs> Wait, instrument. at the same time as the recorder? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And you were also in the recorder. <laughs> no, like separate acts, like one choir, two dance, three recorders. Wow. Yeah. Did you play any instruments, Helen? Um, I didn't when I was younger. I also played the recorder, but I think only because it was like a toy at home and oh, it was like yeah, fun yeah. to play with. We should try a duet. Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. Um, but I, I played the violin in high school out of my own like own desire to play an instrument oh, really? but that sounded pretty terrible really? and there were times where i would fake it as well and i was just like my bow was not moving at the same pace as everyone else's, so <laughs> let's just put me in the back <laughs> i remember i opted for choir because you know you could do the selection of like mm-hmm. um orchestra i was like uh i think singing is easier no instruments involved so let's just do that <laughs> really i always just so i did choir since i, I was in well. third grade but out of choice i wanted to be a pop star oh like a k-pop star but back then, I was like, wanted to be Britney Spears, so I don't know. <laughs> so our next question is from V about Asian food. What do you think about non-Asian chefs cooking pho or ramen and charging more than the usual mom-and-pop shop-run restaurants? And will one day Asian cuisine be known for our food rather than the subpar service and not-so-clean washroom? But I would rather pay less for good food and crappy service than pay more for okay food and amazing service. What do you guys think about that? I agree with that. I feel like the best, most authentic restaurants, like Asian traditional restaurants, are ones that have that like really disgusting bathroom, but really great authentic food. And I'm totally okay with paying less for amazing food and not as good of an environment or not as bougie of an environment. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, growing up when I used to go to Taiwan, that was the protocol. Like I choose not to use a restroom and or hover over tables to grab a seat. Like, just, it's just what it was. Yeah. And I think, so her question kind of brings up when we were talking about examples of like P.F. Chang's or like ROC or some of the more, um, actually P.F. Chang's is kind of an old example, but I guess more recently there has been like a more popularity of, of Asian foods, right? And so you'll go to these places where they charge a lot and they make it very artisanal and, yeah. mm-hmm. and they charge like $20 for a bowl of ramen or something. Um, and. And Helen, you were saying, like, it's nice because at least then people are getting to experience Asian cuisine who would not otherwise, right? Right. So. Yeah. And there's a part of me that feels like, why is our cuisine the one that's super cheap compared to, like, Italian food, right? I don't know if you guys have seen, like, David Chang's Ugly Delicious he talks about. It's actually really interesting because he puts a spin on Asian food. He always Mm. brings up Asian food in every episode and Mm -hmm. even, like, dumplings, right? He says, like, what is the difference between, like, a gyoza or a mandu versus, like, a tortellini or something, right? Right, Everything is a dumpling. It's, yeah. It's just a very interesting 
interesting like spin on it. But one thing that he mentions is that I think from where Chinese food comes from in our culture, it came from like the Chinese Exclusion Act, right, where people had to like create something that white people could relate to and actually mm. feel like they can partake in Chinese culture that way. So because of that, Chinese foods started at a much lower price point, and I think that just mm. continued because now what I saw an article recently that said Chinese restaurants there's like three times more Chinese restaurants than McDonald's in the U.S., which is crazy wow. in terms of statistics. But at、yeah. the same time, we're like super. I say we as in it's like my food, which kind of <laughs> is. It is. It's、yeah. like completely saturated the U.S., and maybe that's why also the price point stays low. Yeah. So I think the and I think the fact that there are more expensive versions of this. Some people will say like, "Oh, it shouldn't be that way," but at the same time, I'm happy that it's getting elevated. Yeah, I would hope that it's coming from someone who is like Chinese or Asian American behind、right. these restaurants that are actually profiting from it, right? Right, and not like a white person who's just trying to capitalize on our culture. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I totally support it. But at the same time, would be so down <laughs> for like the dirty ass restaurant <laughs> in the corner. I think some of like. Um, when there were like PF Changs and like Panda Express that people talk about,、um, I always say if you enjoy that food, like you have to think of it as its own cuisine. It's not meant to be authentic Chinese food,、mm-hmm. so you can enjoy it as its own. It's like American Chinese food, right? But yeah, I love. I think a lot of the more recent movements that are they charge a lot more, but it feels more authentic. Like in LA, there's like Pine and Crane. If you go there, right,、yeah. that's like one of the kind of like they've probably upped the prices and stuff. But the food actually tastes like very authentic.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's at least nice that the people that wouldn't get it otherwise get to taste the more authentic versions. Right, because, right. Spreading culture, I think that's the only way you can、yeah. do it because people are afraid of dirty restaurants. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have a question from Sweet Potato.、Um, how do you intend to pass on your culture to your kids, or something like that? Being an Asian American, how or what do you plan to do to keep your Asian culture alive in your life? I think we talked about this in, in some of our previous episodes, but.、Um, I do hope to offer the option to my kids of going to Chinese school. I haven't decided yet if it would be like a forceful thing, but <laughs> I think generally as a parenting style, I would like to strongly recommend and maybe force them for like a year, and then after some point, they have some decision or right to like choose. And then in terms of culture、um, of just like different traditions, I think the best way to do it is to basically just have them around a lot of family because you'll have natural family celebrations for things like Chinese New Year or like stories of like. Just like having them interact with their grandparents, your parents will probably share stories about from where they came from.、Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of tiger mom parenting, I guess from our, our previous question, I never thought I would be, but after we got into those specific examples of like giving your kid a little bit of, or like just promoting education more, like using like dinner time or like car rides, test them on little things, I think I will do that. I can actually see you doing that. <laughs> I can see the flashcards in your back pocket right oh now. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> What about you, girls? Um, well, for me, I always joke around that when I get pregnant or like when I have a baby, my mom's gonna be flown in right away, because she's gonna be helping me take care of the kid and also be speaking Mandarin to my、uh, like, to my kid.、Mm. She's the one stop shop for all of your Asian culture needs. Oh yeah, <laughs> and also because like with my like with my dad, he only speaks Chinese, so I feel like just、mm. my child will have to speak Chinese to communicate with、yeah. him. Hopefully, my child will be speaking Mandarin and English and whatever language my husband is. He's probably- <laughs> my husband <laughs> is. My husband speaks. Sorry.、Um, but another thing is food. I love cooking Asian food. That's actually what I cook mostly at home for myself. So I would probably integrate that in with my child. Like my cousins, when we were growing up, we had like congee for our baby、mm. food. So I might, you know, incorporate that into with my child's meal. Yeah, Tyler's eating congee now. Oh really? Yeah,、Aww. rice porridge.、Mm-hmm. 
Are your parents speaking Chinese or Toysonese with your yeah, little Tyler? they are. Um, and then my sister speaks, like, English. So I think he's, I mean, he's still very young. He's only, like, six months now. So I think so he's kind of, like, in that environment and yeah. hearing it. I do think when I have kids, I want to force them to learn Chinese. And I think a small part of that is because I learned Chinese, but not to the extent of how well I wish I could speak it right now. Yeah. And I do think that given where the economy is going, it's going to be better to have your child speak like Mandarin mm-hmm. or Cantonese so that they can actually do business in China. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this from like a finance perspective. <laughs> Damn, dude. But at the same time, I feel like when our parents moved over here, like a lot of them wanted to just have us assimilate into white culture. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of like third generation, fourth generation kids actually can't speak any Chinese and they wish they could go back and learn more about the culture and where they came from. So I feel like in a couple of years, well, like maybe a hundred years or so, there's going to be a wave of people who want to go back to China rather than staying in America to learn about their That's already started happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, another thing I I thought about is like, I think, um, like growing up, I don't know about you guys, like for me, like I had the privilege of my, my grandparents would always take me to Taiwan every year. So I was exposed to like the motherland a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if I had the like the funds and the means, I would love to take my child there at a young age just to expose them to the culture, like right. of being an actual country of where we're from. Yeah. So that'd be really fun. So it sounds like we're all going to be tiger moms. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question is going to be career and work focus. Um, it's from L Zanga. Hope I said this right. It says, I have a question for Helen. How do you gain confidence in the workforce? Uh, do you have any advice for females that are entering the, into the new workforce right now? I mean, I'm sure you ladies are also very confident in your job. Um, but I would say that in order to gain confidence, and maybe this is just for me, but especially at work, it's really knowing your stuff. Like, really, really knowing your stuff so that when, you know, a problem comes up, you're not kind of caught off guard and, like, nervous about things. Mm -hmm. And you have a broader sense of, okay, well, I know how to attack this question and I feel confident about it. So I think it really does start off with just learning the material. Yeah. Especially at work. So that if you're not confident, then you're not going to want to speak up if you don't feel like you know your stuff. That's great advice. Know your shit. Yeah. Yeah. But I think another thing is, like, when you start a new position or you start work in general you're not going to know what you're doing because you're going to be trained and it's on the spot learning. It's like a whole new experience, but having the right mentality going into it to be willing to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you go into it with fear, you kind of close yourself yeah, off yeah. with this opportunity. You'll be more yeah. defensive. Exactly. Right. So when you're more open to like learn and train, I think your employees or your like coworkers will see that and feel like, oh, you know what? This girl knows what she's doing. Right. She just needs to learn the material and she yeah. has the right skills and foundation to take it on right and definitely ask questions ask a lot of questions and just be like a sponge that just like absorbs everyone's knowledge and at the same time i think also like creating a group of friends that you can go and complain to or that you feel like you can get advice from with and ask stupid questions to exactly. that's also really important in order to be confident yeah and i think the key word that you said helen's like be a sponge don't let the information that you learn like drain out because i think a lot of people sometimes at work they like nod their head like yes yes I understand but like do you really though mm-hmm. yeah like your goal is to really just like take in what they say and process and apply it right that way you become a really strong warrior yeah. in the workforce <laughs> yeah. and I think you can kind of learn from yourself to how you best learn so something that I realized when um when I've started new careers I write like a ton I take notes everywhere because that was my way of like processing so during a meeting it just even rewriting what someone is saying that goes into my brain differently than if I was typing it mm-hmm. or if I'm just staring at them listening so yeah. figure out how you learn 
that's the, yeah, that, and that worked for me too. Like I was super not confident when I was sitting in like in the cubicles with everyone else and on a conference call because I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, I would actually go into um, these like things called JITs, like just in time office, like small offices um, that you can sit at and ha- has a phone. And I would use that area to feel more confident on my conference mm-hmm. calls. Mm-hmm. And same with you, with you, Janet, like typing everything that someone's saying so that yeah. I could actually see it visually and mm-hmm. then be able to respond back to them. That also yeah. helped me build confidence in uh, responding to people's comments or questions. Just some tips. I actually agree with you, like what you said about the conference calls. Cause like, so I think like I mentioned, I'm transitioning to a new position. It's a lot of different learning curves. And um, there's so many more conference calls at my new position. I'm just like, oh my God, everyone sounds so ready to talk on the phone. I'm just like, I haven't been on a call in years. Mm-hmm. But I, I go to a private room to, right. to, to join on the calls and I listen and how people interact within the call and I pick up on how they communicate what they need and like the flow of it. And then I try to like implement how they speak and the way I speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I actually prefer a conference call or it depends on the type of meeting, but I find conference calls easier to be confident in or to project confidence than like in person because it's one less level of stimulation oh, or yeah. you don't have to be True. looking at people. Person. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, so then you're just listening and then you can, you can be totally like unconfident, but it's easier to project in your voice I think than if you have to also be standing there or like sitting at the table and something yeah. like that. Another thing I, that works for me too, like this sounds so simple, but I actually write a script out sometimes. Like, yeah, I have, I like talking points. Do, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be like, hello, my name. And I, I would actually write out like a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, for me, just having a safety net helps me in a call. Right. It's preparation. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's totally just preparing for what you're expecting, how you're expecting the call to go. And if it goes that way, and you're like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that goes for people entering into new jobs. If you, at some point, you're probably going to have to give some sort of presentation, even if it's just to your manager, mm-hmm. like write out notes of bullet points. I find that like that's the best happy medium because if you go in with nothing, it's hard to just remember everything off the top of your head. And also, if you go in there with a complete written out script, you're going to be reading from the page and you lose yourself. But if you yeah. have bullet points, then mm-hmm. you have places to like, what you're, what are the points you're trying to make? And then if you get lost, you have you have just like an easier thing to catch your eye. Mm-hmm. I think one, another like, like last point from, from my end is that don't care as much. Because I feel like when yeah. you first start, start yeah. a new job or you, you start a new project, you're just so worried about being like a perfectionist on a project and being able to fulfill like everyone's needs and all of that. But you're still learning and you don't you don't know what to do yet, right? Yeah. And so instead of just freaking out about that, like calm the fuck down. <laughs> Take a breather. It's not you're not most of the time you're not like performing surgery on anyone. You're not like saving lives there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we say in the office all the time. Like, calm down, we're not saving lives. <laughs> And that actually helps. That actually helps us to like... Takes down the anxiety, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a doctor, I, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that's not the first thing you're doing if you're entering the... Yeah. <laughs> it takes a couple of years. All right, our next question is from BB Haha. She asked, do you have any good book recs to read on either self-improvement or business success? Janet? So I went through a period where I read a lot of these types of books and I can't... There's like so many of the titles I don't quite remember, but there's one that sticks out for me and that was one of the first books that I read when I got my first job um, and it's called The 4-Hour Work Week by oh, Tim yeah, Ferriss yeah, yeah. Um, and it was I bring that up as a very significant memory because my first job was a very like kind of uh, structured corporate type of setting and that his book is all about totally taking that concept and turning it on its head so he's like an entrepreneur and he forces constant and he's constantly like an experimenter with every aspect of his life but this particular book was focused on 
like how to think through making your job work for you. That sounds like such a sales thing, but <laughs> I just, I enjoyed it because I felt like it was a very, um, it made me realize there's different ways to work. And so as my career has progressed, I've always been kind of keeping that in the back of my head. There are ways that you can, you shouldn't be feeling like you're tied to how things have been done in the past. There are always ways to alter. That's probably the first um, podcasters I ever listened to. Yeah, he has a great mm, podcast. Yeah. Shout out to Tim Ferriss. Yeah, no, he's, he's great. And he interviews a lot of like world-class performers yeah, or people yeah. at the top of their game. So you can actually like, and he also does like long form podcasts where it's sometimes two hours long. My favorite one is um, the Jamie Foxx one. Did you listen to that oh, one? Oh, yeah. I think I... I think I did. That, that was, was like an older one. It was one, so huh? good. Yeah. It was like mind-blowingly good, but it's like understanding their past and how they got to where they are and yeah. also what they're going through now. So it's yeah. just like understanding their full yeah, life he's story. Yeah, he talked to um, Edward Norton too, another actor. Mm. It was really fun. Yeah, he gets some really cool people on his podcast. Mm-hmm. So maybe even check out his podcast. I think that if you're looking for, he does a lot, if it's like self-improvement, he does a lot of self-experimentation stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just general like success, how high performers, you know, achieve what they achieve yeah but you just have to skip over his like 10 minutes of ads now yeah (laughs) i'm always just like skip 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 skip. (laughs) so one that um actually one of my mentors at my company sent to me and he was just like you have to read this book it's a a good book for it's like a personal guide to personal freedom and he also sent me like another meditation book and it took me a couple years to actually get to it um but while reading it i feel like it's a really good one um it's called the four agreements um, and so to give an overview of the four agreements, the first one is to be impeccable with your words, avoiding gossip and avoiding like lies and empty promises and things like that. And a lot of these seem like very just like cliche, but I feel like once you actually start implementing them into your life, it does actually, I don't know, I guess you just have a different perspective of whatever is going on in your life and it makes you feel better about it. The second one is to not take things personally. And I completely mm-hmm. agree with this one. So when someone is negative towards you, I always see it as like that person's going through something. Like yeah. that anger is actually driving from a very deep place that I might not understand and I'm going to look past that. And I feel like that has made me a lot less stressful with just yeah. like other people in general. I totally agree. I think that perspective is something I, I started gaining in the last like four years and it makes all the difference mm-hmm. to, yeah, it, it makes you less defensive and more like empathetic towards people. Because right. I do think that's true. Anytime anyone's acting negatively it usually is coming from a place of fear or pain Mm -hmm. yeah the third one is to not make any assumptions and i think a lot of times stress can be created when you assume you know what people are thinking um and you go into this like rabbit hole of like are they assuming this about me or Mm -hmm. like i'm not doing enough or whatever but at the end of the day just having that conversation with that person can also eradicate a lot of like these assumptions that you believe people have on you or that you have on other people uh and then the fourth one is to always do your best so some days your best isn't as good as other days and that's i think okay it's um doing the best that you can at any given moment and you'll have no regrets so i know it seems very just like lofty things right but i do feel like while you're reading it, you're like oh like that thing that happened yesterday kind of falls into this like bracket and maybe i can look at it in a different perspective Mm. Than how I did before. I thought that was a good like self-help book to also help with like stress management. Okay, so our last question that we'll bring up here is from Y A N G. B Y N G O B. Sorry, think of. Okay, so it says hi. It's a raunchy subject but could you guys talk about the stigma around masturbation for girls especially as opposed to guys 
Mel or Janet? <laughs> Mel? Um, I think because there, there's stigma around masturbation for women because we don't talk about it as much as men do. And like, I think through like just movies, you always like to like joke around the guys with the one that gets exposed to porn at a young age and they start masturbating and they don't ever showcase women doing it mm-hmm. unless it's in porn or it's sexualized, right? Right. But um, yeah. Do you guys masturbate? <laughs> <laughs> No shit, we masturbate. <laughs> but you know, honestly, okay, because I think all three of us masturbate. We don't talk about it, really. But actually, me and my other my, my other best friends, we always talk about masturbation. Really? Okay, so what do you guys talk about yeah. so you can ease us into this conversation? This, my friend would be like, I'm really horny. I had to masturbate today because, like, she's not getting sex. I mean, here's the thing. Like, there's women that choose not to sleep around when they're single. Right, right. So it's like, how else do you expect them to release their exactly. stress? All right, that's true. Let's talk about masturbation. All right, so <laughs> so when was the last time you ladies masturbated? Fuck, this really? Is really? This is like a weird conversation or topic because like your parents listen to this. My mom doesn't. Podcast, mom, right? you better not fucking listen to this shit. <laughs> um, last time I masturbated? Yep. Two days ago. Yeah, same here. Yeah, same. Wait, talk about a question though. Yeah. Do you feel guilty masturbating when you're in a relationship? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. No, because he's traveling right now. <laughs> but hey, if he's not, um, no, sometimes it's just like you're feeling it and it's convenient, and he's not there, and you need to like fulfill something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Double tap. <laughs> I actually like told like I would tell the guys I'm dating or like if I'm like if we're having sex with a guy I'd like yeah I ma- they know they all know I masturbate. Mm. I'm not gonna hide that. Do you think they feel like weird about that, or do they feel in like they're not performing like, or providing yeah, enough? Pro- for you? Yeah. Uh, let me think. Um, for the previous guys, I don't think so. They, they, they never felt like, am I not doing enough? I'm like, dude, I just you're not here sometimes. Yeah, actually, I, it's funny you asked that because yes, yeah, someone has made a comment before um, about like, oh, I don't even masturbate now. Like, see how good this is. I'm like, oh, cool. I guess it's like a thing. But I still do on the side. Yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, it's still good. But sometimes you just want it at a different time. Time, yeah. Or I feel like you also want. Um, this sounds really weird. You want different types of stimulation. Yeah. Right. right? right. Yes. But I think women, you shouldn't feel ashamed for masturbating. It's like, guys yeah. do it. You should do it. It's not like you're getting diseases by masturbating, right? That's true. It's safer than going out there and getting with randos. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Mel, how do you masturbate? I don't use a toy. Do you guys have a toys? I don't. No. I don't have one either. Have you ever had one? No. I mean, I think in, like when you're younger, you're like, you think toys are like, really cool. But then you realize like, uh, it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've said that before to a friend and she's like, oh, you've never tried the rabbit? I was like, I don't know what that is. But I guess it's like one of those. It's just like a vibrator. It's a type of, yeah. Like pretty popular. I don't know. It's the two pronged because of the design uh, is made uh, to fit the vagina in such a way where it stimulates Uh, but but here's another thing though like i feel like um a lot of my mutual girlfriends they don't when they masturbate they don't use toys because they don't they don't do penetration when they masturbate it's all stimulation yeah so they don't need that's actually that's a that's a good point i would say fracture probably for most women um there isn't usually people don't penetrate right or okay i can't speak for a lot but i know i feel like when i speak who have i talked about just you ladies (laughs) (laughs) then yeah usually it's stimulation yeah they don't talk about this right yeah a lot of my friends don't i mean maybe you haven't told me but not none of them have toys Mm-hmm. yeah me neither so maybe that's why because it's different than being with a guy when you're with the guy usually mm, the type of I stimulation agree. is through penetration versus when right. you're by yourself so it's, it's a different sensation that exactly. you're not getting usually from a partner I agree 
There's much more we can talk about with masturbation, but let's not dive. We can probably have a whole whole episode episode about it after like a bottle of wine or something. (laughs) Oh yeah. Not right now. We, we we're on coffee and water and cold meds, (laughs) but just to go back to your question, I just feel like, um, there's probably stigma because of the fact that no one talks about it. And I think women just don't know how to even bring it up to like their friends about it too. Depending Mm -hmm. how open they are. Like my, my friends back home, they're hella raunchy. So they're like, tell me Mm -hmm. when they're masturbating. Mm -hmm. Like, don't talk to me. I'm going to go watch porn. I was like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think it starts from, like, in school, we we used to have those, like, sex education classes, Mm. right? Like, you always talked about the... I feel like you always talked about, like, the male penis, but you never talked a lot about, like, the vagina for some reason. Like, the first time I saw a vagina was from a tampon box, and it had, like, the figure Uh, of sticking something into a vagina. I was like, the fuck is that? (laughs) Going up where? Yeah. I couldn't even figure out which body part that was. I was like, is that my armpit? Like, where is that? (laughs) And that's, like, the first time I saw an actual vagina. But Uh. when, in, during, like, sex ed class, like, they talked about, like, how to put a condom on a penis. Mm. But it never, like, showed what a vagina looked like, I guess, or what was, yeah. Uh, anatomy of one no one really taught you like when you're younger like oh a vagina you could get pleasure from doing these certain things yeah you kind of just had to figure out yourself versus like i think growing up we kind of assume that the male penis you'll get pleasure just by touching it or sticking in somewhere you know right right so i I feel like we just weren't really i don't remember being taught like Yeah. yeah Having sex gives you pleasure. Or even like in like media, like entertainment movies and all of that, mm. like that never gets talked about. Right. It's always, it's always pleasuring the man. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Pleasure yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks again for listening to our delirious episode of Q&A part two for season two. Uh, we hit, you know, wide array of topics, topics. ending with masturbation. Um, but it is late and we just want to say thank you again for listening. You can catch us on our social media. Our handle, um, is at Asian boss girl. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also email us at Asian boss girl at gmail.com. And if you like this episode, you can find us on iTunes at ABG dash Asian boss girl. Leave us a rating and a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.